Welcome to our third episode of Portage One Pagers. Uh, we started this podcast back in the summer. This is, uh, we did an episode in September and then one a month ago. Our goal is to inspire B2B growth and uncover uh, for you our favorite growth strategies distilled all down to the proverbial one page. So we try to keep it short and sweet. We're very, very excited uh, today. So I'm Peter Myers. I'm uh, one of your co-hosts for today. And Adrian? I'm Adrian Harris. Uh, Peter's co-host for today, and uh, we're the uh, the the co-managing partners of Portage Sales. Uh, today, we're very very excited to have Marie Rogers from Soft Choice. Welcome, Marie. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, we're really uh, just glad to have you here. It's a great way to kick off the new year. Uh, so, uh, so Marie, can you say a little bit about who is Soft Choice and um, and, and I understand that your, your role is, is really in charge of the development of the salespeople. So just if you could say a tiny bit about uh, your role as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I've been with Softways for just over a year now. Uh, incredible company. And they are a technology solutions and managed service provider. But they go a little bit further. And it's more about using insight and providing expertise and, and technology mentoring to really work with customers and make sure they have the best solution and not just be a simple reseller, you know, and giving them simply a product. Uh, and so my role, you called it out. Uh, I, me and my team, we are responsible for educating the massive sales force. So um, there's a couple of different divisions, but you know, when you look at this company of 2000 people, almost half of them are salespeople. Wow. So, uh, and, and it's, I, I think what's interesting uh, like really exciting for me personally is that uh, I think you come to the table for salespeople with the best of credibility because you've done the job, uh, not necessarily soft choice, but you've done the, the the sales job for a number of years and and highly trained on the learning and development side as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it would be tough to work with a sales team if you hadn't already done the job because there is something special about sales, isn't there? Yeah, no, there sure is. <laughs> so true. I think so. I, I think so. Uh, what a, can I turn it over to you, Adrian? Yeah, that would be amazing. So, like Marie, when we met, obviously, I was super excited to have you join us today. We had such a great conversation around, yeah, sales excellence and adult learning and development and sustainment. So, I'd love to share with our listeners a little bit more about your approach to sustaining skills and impacting behavior when you're designing and deploying training. For sure. And I mean, that's, that's a huge question, right? There, there's so much to unpack in there. But I think to start off, it is that training should never be a standalone event. Or when you're looking at um, putting together training, that should just be a very, very small part of whatever you're looking to do. Because if we think about the purpose of training, really at the end of it is we want to change behavior, right? So it's really about a change management problem or a change management campaign. And training may be a part of it, but it should never be done in, in isolation. There should be the priming before the training. And most importantly, there should be the reinforcement after the training. All right. So I'm going to really geek out right now because I think you and I talked about this. I am like crazy 
about the impact of communication and sustainment in learning and development. Being a, a change management pr professional as well as a, a sales leader myself, uh, I, I get really excited because I don't hear a lot of learning and development folks talking about it the way you do. So what, what strategies and, and tactics do you use to make sure that you know, you talked about the pre and the post. How, how do you make sure all of that is actionable and comes to life? For sure. So I think you know, to start, it, it comes from understanding how people learn and maybe more importantly, how they forget. And the I think the most well-known, maybe the pop psychology side is, is Mr. Ebbinghaus, right? And he's got the forgetting curve. And he tells us that people forget almost half of what they learned after about 20 minutes. Now, to be fair, when he does his research, it was more random thoughts, random phrases, whereas when you're doing sales training, presumably it's, you know, more tailored to the audience. But the idea of people forgetting, if you do nothing after the training, they, they forget almost half of it after 20 minutes. And, and according to Gartner, almost 87% after a month. And so that really highlights the fact that for training or for learning to happen, that instruction has to be accompanied by practice. It has to be accompanied by, by hands-on, by role-playing, by touching the content in different ways, conversing about it, reflecting on it, and so on. Uh, and I think that's the biggest piece, that you could train for, for 10 minutes uh, and still have a good training program if, if the bulk of your time after is spent on doing. I love the forgetting curve. That is so <laughs> powerful. Peter and I, Peter, we always talk to our customers about the training we won't do is where we put you in a room for two days and you walk away with a binder that then collects dust for the oh. next year. <laughs> old school. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I oh, yeah. hope it's old school, but it's still being done, right? It is. That's, that's the, that's the scary part. So can you tell us a little bit about what's been successful for you and what hasn't worked and why? So like some of some of your golden nuggets, if you could share with us. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing that fits in with the practice that, that fits in with, um, you know, forcing people to repeat things um, over time so they don't forget as much is that that micro learning or spacing out training over time. And so to your point, the, those two day or week long training sessions where people go in and sit in a classroom um, or sit in a virtual classroom these days, I guess, and then come away and that's been their training experience, that's not gonna work. Whereas take that same content and drip it out in different ways. So maybe it's a little bit of a, you know, an email announcement or maybe it's an announcement that managers can tease about in their team meeting. And then you do an hour session and then you practice and there's some takeaways and you focus on this new behavior in your sales calls and you talk to your colleagues about it and then you maybe come back for another session. And so it's really dripping out the content in different ways over time. Uh, and this works because it really forces the person to, to recall what happened last time, right? And to recall the practice they've been doing. So that's that repetition. And then they're focusing on these smaller learning bites and going out and practicing those. Because can you imagine two days of training and you have to go out and somehow remember all of that and practice all of that in your next sales call? It's almost impossible. So those smaller bites are really what work. 
And, and I can give you an example. I think you'd ask for something that works and something that doesn't work. Yes. Um, and there, I mean, there's so much more out there that works, but I, I don't want to go on and on because I could and just like you, <laughs> so passionate about it. But um, yeah. so, you know, when I first got to Soft Toys, um, it was a very long sales training. It was uh, 12 weeks long. And there wow. were two weeks. Yeah. Now, to be fair, right, like it is a tech company where there's a lot of information, but 12, mm-hmm. I mean, 12 weeks is long, right? And so 12 weeks and two of those weeks were in person. So sales team is across North America. They'd fly in for two weeks in Toronto uh, and there'd be some, some sessions that would last multiple days on the same topic. And when I was doing my needs assessment, one of the things I heard a lot of actually was, you know, our reps are coming out of Academy. They don't know this stuff. You need to add more training. And I said, no, 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 I think what we need to do is we need to reduce this training. And so we did, we reduced it down. We, we cut out all the fat and focused more on dripping out smaller bites. So you don't fly into Toronto for two weeks right up front anymore. Uh, we teach a little bit and then they go away and they practice and they actually get their own accounts to practice on right away. And so it's learn a little, do a little, learn a little, do a little. Now, for the part that doesn't work, now we had, we still had one week in person, right, where people would fly and it was focused more around, you know, meeting the right people, seeing a tour, seeing, hey, this is where um, the other reps sit, you know, this is where uh, fulfillment sits, you were going to talk to them, like really interactive. And we launched it. And then COVID hit. Ah, so what okay. doesn't work is trying to take what you were doing in person beforehand and just simply converting it to virtual that just does not work in the same way that you can't have a sales call that you used to conduct in person and just think you can say and do the same things and and do it virtually so a lot of changes had to be made we'll just say that (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah it sounds like you you made some pretty huge impact uh, working with the teams at soft choice over the past year so interesting question then like if you have like 50%, I think you said of your workforce is sales, how do you pay attention to the different learning styles? Does it matter? Yeah, I, so I love the topic of learning styles just because I think this is one of those uh, lingering myths that have, that have held on just because it sounds neat. Um, it's there in pop psychology again, but I think when we say that there's different learning styles, what, we, what we're really saying and what we really mean is just that people are different. They have different backgrounds with different contexts and so they learn in different ways. But if you have someone tell you how they prefer to learn, it's just them telling you their preference, right? Uh, okay. But what we, we know what people prefer is not always what's bef- best for them. Like I prefer eating cupcakes for dinner, but that's not what's best for me. <laughs> and. So, you know, if we think about someone saying, well, I'm a visual learner. Okay, great. I can show you this script for a sales call and I can show you the research behind how it works, but you still have to do it. And uh, I really like how, you know, organizational psychologist Adam Grant says it, and he's got a podcast called Work Life, where, you know, I think very well known. Um, and he says, we think we learn better according to our so-called learning style but the overwhelming evidence is that we don't. We actually, we all learn the same way, right? We have to listen, we have to read, and we have to do. And it's that practice that's so critical. 
Yeah, so I, I actually want to double down a bit on the do. And we really believe similarly to you that you have to put it in action right away. You have to practice. You've got to try it on. So what are your thoughts around peer-to-peer coaching, paired work? People hate role plays, for example. <laughs> like, what do you think of that whole piece for sales learning and sustainment? Well, first of all, I like your phrasing around people have to try it on for themselves. And that's such a great way to think of it. But uh, yeah, that paired work or peer-to-peer, the short answer is wow, that can be very impactful. Um, The longer answer is it can be very impactful with with caveats, right? If done right. And so I think coaching is one of the best ways to reinforce new behavior and help people correct course when they're doing something that's not working. And so having a peer mentor is great because people are actually more influenced by their peers than by outside roles, by someone like you or me or or an official coach. but that mentor has to want to do it and they have to have more experience with the right behaviors. So having two people go off and do a role play that are both new hires, um, that both don't have a lot of experience, you know, that might be helpful to get the marbles out of the mouth or to get to try out new wording, but you're really gonna need someone, you know, more senior to structure the role play in a real life scenario so that it actually has good tie over. Mm, actually, that 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 is very interesting. It actually leads me into my next question, which is, if we think about a great sales coach, and and I, I actually think of Peter as probably one of the best sales coaches I've seen out there. What, from your point of view, what makes a great sales coach and a great sales coaching relationship? Is it fit? Is it trust? What other factors do you think are really important when setting up that kind of a relationship? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. I mean, you called it out. Trust is critical, but you know, that, that brings up the question of, well, how do you build trust with someone you've just met, right? You've got a new hire, you're supposed to coach them. Um, How do you build that trust quickly? And so I think, it's really about a good coach has the right mindset, right? They know it's not about scolding. Um, they know it's not someone purposely doing something wrong um, or, you know, being delinquent. It's, it's that people forget. People find it hard to change behavior. I mean, we all do. And so it's having that right mindset of saying, hey, I really just want to help this person try on, as you say, a new behavior. Uh, and they're going to struggle and that is okay. And I am here to support them in sustaining that behavior change. And so I think, yeah, coming from a right place is, is critical. Uh, and then, you know, that person being coached can also sense that, right? I think it was Kim Scott and Radical Candor talks about feedback only lands when you care about the person and you're doing it for the right reason. Oh, I love that book. I can't believe you just so put much. that one out there. It's so good. <laughs> Such a good and I book. I know I didn't even do it justice, right? I'm so oversimplifying and she does a beautiful job, but. Yeah, I, I, I think the piece that really lands for me is this piece around caring and, and trust and having that super open dialogue to say, okay, I'm going to be a bit vulnerable in this coaching relationship. I am going to try on things where I'm going to probably misstep because it's uncomfortable. 
and I need you uh, to be with me along the way. Peter always talks about portage and 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 our organization as we are going to walk with you. We're going to carry the canoe mm-hmm. together so that eventually you can carry it yourself. Which I think I just love that analogy. Like that just fires Agreed. me up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we are wrapping up here, the one thing that's really on my mind is a lot of sales leaders out there don't have a Marie. (laughs) They just don't. I mean, how fortunate is soft choice to have somebody with your background and your passion and your caliber? What's the best advice that you can give on how to focus and build the effectiveness of a sales team? If you don't have a Marie? Well, I think, you know, get yourself a Marie. No, that's, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I think, you know, there, there's to start, there's plenty of resources out there, right? There, there's a lot of, of great books out there. Um, I mean, one really easy, simple one that comes to mind is Designing for How People Learn, Julie Dirksen. Um, you know, if you're a sales leader, give it a quick read. It is so fast and you get an idea for, for how people build up their knowledge. Um, there's also consultants out there, right? Like Portage is a great example, a Gartner. There's so many resources out there that you can lean on um, without having to have someone in-house. But I'll say too that, you know, if you can only do one thing, it's coaching. It's get your managers or your, your senior reps to be great coaches, help them to become great coaches because that gives you the biggest bang for your buck. And this means though, that you have to be really, really clear on what good looks like, what great looks like, and also then what poor performance looks like. So asking yourself, what are your top sellers doing? And then coaching to those behaviors. I think if you can only do one thing, that's gonna be your biggest win. Well, I'm a little biased because I really buy into the whole coaching. I've seen the impact of helping your leaders be tremendous coaches and the results that you see uh, coming out of that. It's incredibly powerful. Absolutely. I am just going to cut in to say this is uh, like just fantastic, Marie. Like you've packed so much into the last 20 minutes everything from how people learn to how people forget, uh, uh, the, the reinforcement that you really need to be doing stuff over time and paired that with micro learning. And, and uh, I really loved your point as well around less is more. So that impact story of talking about coming on for the onboarding program and looking to see how you distill that down uh, so that people are learning a little, doing a little and getting into that kind of practical cycle and then your last piece, of course, which uh, yeah, I'm also a big believer in, which is if you could do nothing else, get your sales leaders to be great coaches. And then your distinction of uh, be clear about what that means. What is what is bad? What is good? What is great in terms of on the uh, the, the sales coaching spectrum? I, I really want to thank you for your time. It's it's so informative. Uh, I think we even got some great book recommendations out of that. So I wrote down the one that uh, the design for how people learn. Uh, I I think I've seen that one. We've been joking about the number of books on our shelves that uh, we haven't touched. And so there's an opportunity over the holidays and in January as well to uh, kind of uh, go through that. And I've read Radical Candor and couldn't agree more. It's such a great source. So just uh, thanks a ton. It was uh, a terrific discussion today. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed being here. 
Thanks very much. That concludes our third episode of the Portage Sales One Pagers podcast. I'm Peter Myers, the founder of Portage Sales. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again next time.